uh, where we're going to jump into a new series called The Church Defined. Come on, it's called The Church. What do we, what, who are we, and what are we about? We know that the church has looked a lot, has looked different, right? The gatherings has looked a lot different this past year, last two years almost, and even now as we gather, we're still not able to gather in full force, and I tell you, I would love that we could just do one full service to bring all the chairs back into the room, but to know the first service, we had about 35, 40 people here today, and with you, we're actually getting more than we're able to get if we would just do one service, and so we're trying our best, we're, serve, we're doing our best to honor the government restrictions, to honor the protocols, to keep everyone safe at a safe distance in order to be diligent and be good stewards of what God has given us. And so that's why we're creating this space. And thanks so much for being with us. But, but I believe the churches look different. But more than what it looks like, I believe we need clarity on why we exist. I believe now more than ever, the church needs to know why we exist. We need to know with clarity, our clarity and purpose. I believe now more than ever, we need Jesus to direct our steps, not just weekly, but daily. He needs to daily direct our steps because I don't know about you, but every day I wake up, I just feel there's another curveball, there's another issue, there's another situation, there's another catastrophe, and, and I need God to give me clarity on how to respond, clarity on how to live, clarity on how to walk it out every day. Now more than ever, it's time to be the church, come on, that Jesus died for. It's time to activate our faith and be the church that Jesus died for. Over the last several months, actually really since I started back in May, we have been talking with the leadership team, and the leadership team really comprises of our staff, those who work day to day and, and working through the church, and also the board, the board that you have elected to serve you. And together we have been working through this question, what is the church? What is our unique contribution to this community? How many people know the harbor is a church in the community, not the church in the community? Anyone understand what I'm saying? Yeah? Real talkative group today, aren't you? You guys are really going to have to work on this, all right? <laughs> it's okay. I need a little bit of affirmation. Help me on my, I need a little bit of that positive, like, I'm with you. We're with you, you know? We are, the, we're just a church in our community, right? We're not the church, right? We don't have to be all things to all people, but what has God uniquely called us to be and us to serve in our community? And that's the question we have been asking. And I love vision. I, I love vision. Don't get me wrong, but more than vision, what I love is clarity, I love to know what is expected of me. I love to know what is a win, what is a, what is a, a measure of success. I want to know whether we accomplished it, whether what's worth celebrating. And so vision doesn't just something that we aspire to. Yes, we need that. But more than that, we need a sense of clarity, a, a sense of purpose. Because in this sense of purpose comes what? A sense of confidence, isn't it? Now we know exactly what we're called to do. We know exactly where we are going. And so that is what we are working towards. And, and I'm not here to to tell you I've got it all figured out, but I'm here to kind of journey with us and to take you on a, on a journey a journey to Jesus as we go through this together. And there's one thing I've learned about coaching baseball with my boys is I don't have to have everything figured out. I just need to know a little bit more than the people I'm coaching, right? If I just know a little bit more, and that's kind of the journey I'm in. I feel like sometimes I'm learning from you and, and you can learn from me, and together we are able to journey towards Jesus together. But here's what Proverbs 29, 18 says in the King James Version. It says, for there, where there is no vision, right, where there is no vision, the people perish. And the Hebrew word for vision here is revelation, or, or where there is no passion or clarity, where there is no dream, or where there is no purpose. And we know that people don't die physically, but what happens when you don't have a vision, what happens is you lose a sense of hope, don't you? You lose a sense of 
purpose. You lose a sense of why do I get up in the morning. You lose a sense of, uh, of, of where am I going. And, and I, I don't know if you've seen this, but I have seen this in this last year as, as COVID has shut things down and, and changed the way things work and even the way schools are operating. I've seen it in our kids and our, and our students that they're not really sure what the future looks like. They're not really sure what job is going to wait for them on the other side of an education. And they've lost a sense of vision for their life. And, and in this lack of vision, they become a little bit, they begin to die inside. And hopelessness takes over. And, and purpose, what, what is the point? What, what, if, what am I working towards? I don't know if you've seen that, but I've seen that. We need vision, right? The NIV says, for where there is no revelation, where there is no revelation, where there's no revelation for your life, people what? Cast off restraint. They're like, well, whatever. They just kind of let things go. It doesn't matter, right? You only live once. Hashtag YOLO, right? You only live once. Might as well do what you want to do. Go where you want to go. Be where you want to be. Just let it go. Who cares? Just go wherever the wind takes you. People just cast off restraint. It's like a ship without a rudder. It's blowing in the wind and has no rudder to guide it. And a lot of times life, if you don't have a vision for your life, if you don't have a revelation for your life, if you don't have a revelation of the life that God designed for you to live, then you can just cast off restraint. Some of us try to stop casting off restraint. Some of us try to realize, hey, we got to get a vid- we got to get some direction. We got to get some order. But what happens if you try to cast off restraint without a revelation? It feels a lot like rules and religion. It feels a lot like do's and don'ts. And so, in order to cast off, res- in order to have restraint, in order to have a purpose in your life, you need to get a revelation for your life. I love how the Message version says. He says, "If my people can't see what God is doing." If my people can't see what God is doing, what happens? They just stumble all over themselves. They, they just trip all over themselves. They don't know where they're going to go. They're, they're changing directions. They're changing course. And one, we're going one way one, direct, one day and a different way a different direction. And we know, we feel that, don't we, sometimes? Especially if you're following a leader who doesn't know where they're going. Anyone on a tour with somebody and they're taking you on a journey and they're like, oh, we're going this way. Oh, no, sorry, I meant, it's, sorry, it's this way. You know, and you kind of trip all over yourself and, Sometimes, men, we, we try to figure things out on our own, and we're, it's, I know it's generally this direction, right? No, no, okay, we're going this direction. But what happens when you don't have a vision for your life? You people cast off restraints, or you don't have, you stumble all over yourselves. I love what it says, but blessed are those who attend to what God reveals, to what he reveals, for they are most blessed. And the, the, the translation of this word blessed isn't like, you're blessed, like I'm blessing you like a prayer or a grace. It's something much deeper than that. It's that you are blessed, that you are content, that you are whole, that you are filled uh, to completion. There's a contentment to the soul. Or another word to say it is you are full of joy. You're full of joy. You're full of the sense that even though things may be crumbling, if joy is not an emotion, it's not a fleeting circumstance, but joy much runs a lot deeper in me. So if I want to have joy in my life, I need to have a vision for my life. I need to be able to see what God is doing in me and through me and around me. I need to get a vision for my future. And so how do we get that? What does that look like? How do we get that? I love the psalmist. He says in Psalm 16, he says, For you, God, for you will show me the way of life. Another translation says the path of life. You show me the way of life, granting me, here it is that word again, the joy of your presence. Listen, how do you get a vision for your life? You got to seek God. How how do you get a vision for your future? How do you get a revelation for your life? You need to seek 
God, in order to seek God, when you're seeking Him daily, He gives you a sense of joy, a sense of completion, a sense of contentment for your soul. He shows you where to walk. He shows you where to go. He shows you where to put your feet. And so I want to encourage you today, church, to not settle. To don't settle for anything less than what Jesus paid for. Jesus gave His life so that you could have life to the full. So don't settle for anything less than the life that He gave for you. Don't settle for anything less than the vision that He gave for you, that He has for you. John 10.10, he says, For the thief comes to steal. This is Jesus speaking, right? The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Listen, he's, he's coming to take you off. He wants, he wants you to stumble, right? He wants you to cast off restraint. He wants you to perish. He doesn't want you to have a vision for your life. He wants to take all that away. And Jesus is warning his disciples, be careful. The thief, devil, Satan, he's a liar, and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come that you may have, say it with me, come on, have what? Life. And not just life, but life to the full. Come on now. Not just life, but life to the full. Not just life like, hey, I've been guaranteed eternal life through Jesus. I've accepted Jesus in my heart, and I've got this eternal life, and now I'm just sort of plateauing. I'm just sort of maintaining until he comes. No, 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 no. That's not the life that Jesus died for. That's not the full life that he gave his full life for. He gave his full life that you may have life. Yes, a guaranteed eternity, but of a full life here while you're here on the earth. I want you to have life to the full. And so we are going to, we are going to give Jesus our whole life. I believe that God, Jesus gave his whole life to the full so you and I could have life to the full, right? That's the price that he paid. He gave his life to the full so you and I could have life to the full. So over the next month, we're going to walk through this journey of what does this life look like? What does this vision look like? And this vision applies to us as a church, the harbor, but it also applies to you because you are the church. You are the church mobilized wherever we go, right? The church is not this building. This building is beautiful. We're grateful for it. We're grateful that we can come and we can gather and we can worship together in safety of, uh, you know, of the weather and all that fun stuff. But you are the church. And so our vision is not for the building. Our vision is for you, for your family, for your home, for your neighbors, your coworkers, for your kids. Our vi- this vision is for all of us to live it out. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to walk through this vision. But one of the things I want you to know is this. As a church, and this is a new statement, you're going to hear this over and over again, but as a church, we exist to lead people into an overflowing relationship with Jesus. As a church, everything we do, Every, every dollar we spend, every ministry plan, everything we put together, every time we gather, everything we are doing is to lead people, not programs, not policies, not practices, no, lead people, you and me, into an overflowing relationship with who? With Jesus. With Jesus. And that's what we are all about and so everything we do leads towards that thing. Romans 15, 13 with a verse that God gave me before we even met. And I believe God deposited in my heart a vision for the local church. What would it look like if a church, a gathering of people would get together and say, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What would it look like if a group of people from different generations and different backgrounds and different experiences and and, and different uh, preferences to come together in unity and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to overflow in us with joy and hope and peace. What kind of a difference would that make in your community? 
And that's what I believe. I believe that's what the church God is calling us to be, to be people who allow joy, hope, and peace overflow in our life as we grow in Jesus. What happens with an overflow? An overflow means I have to be filled up first, right? If I want to overflow with Jesus, I need to allow Jesus to fill me first. I need to be rooted in Jesus and grow in Jesus daily to the point of overflowing, to the point where I'm able to make a difference, or Jesus is able to make a difference, rather, through me to the lives of those around me. And that's the life you're calling you, or I'm inviting you in to. That is the vision I'm calling you into as a member, as a, as a participant of this faith community. And we're going to break this down really, really simple. Remember, I love clarity, right? We all love clarity. What are we expected? Where are we going? What's the next step? Well, I believe this looks like four steps, and this is something we work through as a team. We're going to experience life. We're going to live in community. We're going to discover purpose, and we're going to make a difference. What do you guys do as a church? Someone's going to ask you, what is your church all about? We, we experience life. We live in community. We discover our purpose, and we make a difference. That's what we do. That's all we do. We get better at doing that week after week, day after day. We invite people onto this four-step journey of experiencing life, live in community, discover your purpose, and make a difference. To live in community, discover your purpose, to, uh, to experience life, live in community, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And once we go through that once, it's not like we're done. No, we invite people into the journey where we help other people experience life, help other people live in community, help other people discover their purpose, and help other people make a difference. Are you with me? Come on, member. Yeah? Thank you. A few of you. Thank you. Uh, this is where we are at. Mark Twain, what he says, he says, the two most important days of your life are this, the day you were born, right, and the day you find out why. The two most important days, the day you were born. Remember, you, were, you might not have been planned, but you were not an accident. You were made on purpose for a purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And the, the second best day of your life is when you figure out what that purpose is. And I'm here as a church and as a leadership team, everything we do is to help you discover that purpose in Jesus, because I believe Jesus is the author and the perfecter of your faith. And so if you want to discover the purpose for your life, then you need to discover Jesus. And if you grow in Jesus, he'll reveal his purpose to you clearly. And so the first step in this journey is to experience life, to experience life. And that's what we're going to talk about here today, and we're going to work through the other three later throughout this month. But to experience life, and here's a phrase I want you to understand. I believe that Jesus changes everything. Come on, some of you have experienced Jesus and you realize, Jesus has changed my life. I am not who I once was because of Jesus. And that's not taking away the work and the effort that you yourself have put in, but you see, Jesus has changed my life. He has given me joy in my sadness. He has given me hope in defeat. He has given me purpose in a, in a, in a season of purposelessness. He has given me a purpose. He has given me joy. Jesus has changed my life, and I believe Jesus changes everything. Trust me, if you're looking to me to be the hero of the story, I'm going to let you down now. Let's just get that out of the way. It's all, like, I'm not. I'm here to point you to Jesus. Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the great shepherd. Jesus is the hero of every story. Jesus changes everything, and we want people to experience life in Jesus. We want people to experience the life that Jesus offers, and so when we say experience life, that speaks to two things. One that speaks to our Sunday gatherings when we come into this place. We want people to come into church on a Sunday and experience a life-giving environment, a life-giving community, a life-giving atmosphere where they may come in feeling beat up, broken, disgusted. It's been a tough week and they're saggy. They're looking at the down. They're feeling a sense of hopelessness. But as they come into this place, as they engage in worship, as they engage in community, that all of a sudden hope is filled into the life again and they begin to be able to look up and see Jesus, see hope. And gain life again. We need life. And I don't know about you, but I got a hole in my bucket. 
And I can come to church on a Sunday and I can be filled with life. But as Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday come around, my bucket starts to leak. Anyone else got a bucket that leaks? And it becomes drips and drips and drips. And come to Saturday, I feel a little bit depleted. And there I need to come to church. Is there something special about coming to church? Not necessarily. You can get the information online. You can open your Bible on your own. But there's something that comes happens when you come into this place and you get to experience the life that Jesus has to you made available to you through community, through the body of believers. And that's why we come. We want to experience life. And secondly, we want you to experience life. Come on. John, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the what? Life. No one comes to the Father unless through me. I mean, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in this moment. And he, listen, he, in the context of the scripture, he just told them that someone's going to betray him, right? One of his disciples is going to deny him. They're like, he's just rattling the world. He's letting them know that he's going to die and he's going to be rise again. He's kind of just destroying their whole paradigm of what, what was going to happen. And then into this moment, Jesus tells them that I'm going to a place. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back to be with you. I'm going to prepare the way. And Thomas, doubting Thomas, we love Thomas. He's the one who asks the honest questions, you know. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how do we know the way? And that's when Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he says, if you really know me, then you will know my Father as well. For now on, you do know him because you have seen me. If you know me, if you know me, then you know the Father and I want you to understand, if Jesus changes everything, then the first step we need to do is we need to know Jesus, don't we? If Jesus is the one who changes everything, if Jesus is the one who brings hope, if Jesus is the one that brings purpose, if Jesus is the one that brings wholeness and completion and that's a contentment to my soul, then we need to know Jesus. And the word that they use, the Greek word they use here in know in this scripture is ganasko, ganasko. I think it's how you say it. But what it means is this, it's not just to know about, it's to know intimately. It's the same word that they will use as a husband knows his wife. It's an intimacy, it's, it's experiential, it's to know, not to know about. So Jesus is saying, if you know me, right, if you know me, if you, if you experience me, if you're in relationship with me, then you'll know the way, you'll know, you'll have a vision for your life, you'll, you'll know the Father, you'll experience life through me. You see, here's the thing. God is not looking for religion. He is looking for relationship. God is not looking for you to follow a list of do's and don'ts. He's looking for relationship. He's looking for your heart. He doesn't want you to serve him out of duty, but he wants to serve, he wants you to serve him out of delight. Right? He's not looking for your hands. He's longing for your heart. He's looking for relationship. This is what he's looking for. And some of us, our, our faith is very much driven by our hands, all the things we, we do for God. And God is saying, listen, no, 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 no. What, do you know me? Do you have my heart? Do you know my heart? Jesus says to it in this in Matthew 7, 21, he says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only those who actually, what, do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We, we cast out demons in your name. We performed miracles in your name. Translation, hey, we went to church. We, we prayed. We, we led a small group. We, we gave faithfully. Anytime they asked for help setting up chairs, we were there. We did all these things. And, and God is saying, listen, that was great. But what does he say? But, but I never, Ganasco, I, I never knew you. I didn't know you intimately. I, I didn't, you didn't have an experience with my heart. Yeah, you did all these things, and that was great, and I'm thankful for all the things you 
did, but you didn't know me. I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to all of us today and says, do you know him? I think maybe in a moment of honesty, for whatever reason or circumstance, maybe that's where you find yourself today. You say, yeah, I, I, I can look back and say, I've done a lot of things for God. But I don't know if, if I know God. I don't know if I know his heart through, the, through intimacy or, or through experience. I do a lot of do's and don'ts and I check off the box and I come to church faithfully on Sunday. I make sure I tithe. But I don't know him. And I love it that in these moments where we find ourselves where we have to, maybe it's a tension point where we find ourselves wanting, there's this, these two words that just sort of bring peace to the storm. It's, it's these two words, but God. You know, we find ourselves lacking. We find ourselves wanting. We find ourselves in a place that we'd rather not admit where we are. And then it says, but God. And Paul in his letter to Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, he says this, but God, so rich in mercy. Come on now. How many of us are so grateful for the mercy of God, so rich in mercy? Come on. All of us have fallen short. Every one of us, we wake up over days where we are not where we know we want to be or where we should be. But God, so rich in mercy. But God, so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us what? There's this word again. He gave us life. So when he raised Christ from the dead, for it is only by God's grace that you and I have been saved. So it doesn't matter where you find yourself today. God has already done the work. He's already paved the way. He's built the bridge for you to experience life through him, to experience his mercy. Paul, in his, in his letter to the church in Philippi, he says, I want to know. I want to gnosko. I want to know Christ. I don't want to just know about him. I want to know him. And more than that, I want to experience the power, his mighty power that raised him from the dead. Come on, it's not just about knowing about God. But I want to know God. I want to intimately know God. But more than that, I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead that is alive and available to me and to you as we follow after him. You see, here's the thing I need you to understand is that God doesn't want you to, to, to celebrate his resurrection. We do that on Easter Sunday, right? We celebrate his resurrection, and that's amazing. But more than that, he wants us to experience our own resurrection. He wants you to experience a resurrection of your own where things of you have been dead, where dreams have been dead. He wants those to breathe life into your life. He wants you to experience life. He wants you to live out the purpose which he died for you to live. And that's what we do on a Sunday. That is our primary goal on a Sunday is to rejuvenate and to revitalize our hearts again to experience life. And so we do that on Sundays. When you come to church, we experience life primarily through our Sunday morning experiences, through our Sunday morning worship. As a church, the strategy or the, or the system we have in place to experience life as a church is our Sunday mornings. It's our gatherings. When we gather on a Sunday, we, do, we experience life together, the, the life of a community, but we also experience Jesus corporately together. And there's two other places in the week, in the month rather, we are doing that. One is our Tuesday morning prayer gatherings which we're going to invite you to, to, remember the second Tuesday every month, except for this Tuesday, Tuesday, second Tuesday from 7 to 8. But then once a month, we're also going to start doing something called encounters on Sunday nights, usually the last Sunday night of the month. We're going to invite you to worship and communion where we, know just, where we also pray for one another. We get to experience life and, and breathe life and to partner with one another through the journey. And we want to bring prayer back into the fabric of our community and prayer and worship and we just need to experience life because sometimes we've got a hole in our bucket and that hole gets bigger and bigger at times 
And so we want to create these moments for you to experience life and so you'll learn more about that. But our first encounter, if you want to write that, is October the 24th. You can write that on in a calendar somewhere. So, but this is great. This is us as a church. This is us creating an opportunity for you to experience life. But how many people know the, ch- the church is not, about, it's not just about the big organization. The church is you and me, right? And so how are we, you and I, going to experience life? How, how can we experience life tomorrow and, and on Tuesday when we can't gather at the church? What does that look like every day in our lives? And there's three thoughts I want to just throw out for consideration as we learn to experience life together. The first is that we love him because he loved us first. You see, it's Jesus first. It's Jesus first. Relationship is greater than religion. And how many people know that there are rules to every relationship, right? My wife and I, we, we, we have rules to our relationship that we are going to honor one another, that we're going to protect one another, that we're going to be faithful to one another. These, these rules that protect our relationship. But how many people know if you engage in a relationship but you only start with the rules before you have the heart, then it just feels like a duty. It feels like religion. It feels like tasks, right? And that's not what Jesus, Jesus wants us to love him because he first loved us. We got to belong in relationship before we begin to become like Christ. We, we belong to him. How many people know that Jesus loves you so much that if he had a refrigerator on it, you'd be on it? If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Like he loves you so much that if you had a refrigerator, his picture would be on it. Like he loves you. He loves you. Jesus knows what you thought about last night. And he still loves you. Jesus knows that you are doubting him at times. And he loves you. God knows the struggle you're going through. He loves you. He said, before the fabric of the world, before you were even created, he saw you. And he loved you. And he knew that there were going to be seasons you're going to turn your back on him. But he loved you. And he sent his son to die for you in order to build a bridge, the relationship with him. Jesus loves you. And so we love him because he first Loved us. The Bible says there's no greater love than this than someone who lays down his life for his friend. He calls you and I friends. He loves us. So our first, wrong, our first response into experiencing life is to love him because he first loved us. The second thing is we need to pursue him with our full heart. We need to pursue him with our full heart. We need to seek after him. When I first met my wife, Wendy, she was in a class of her own. She was up like a 10. And I would be lucky if I was a 4. And so I had to pursue her. I had to pursue her. I had to seek her out. I had to woo her. And I had to put everything on it. I had to woo her hard, you know. And I had to seek her with my full heart. I asked her three times to go out with me before she said yes. Like I had commitment. Like I was working it. Like she said no twice. I had to work at it. Like I had to, I had to seek her with my full heart. And the question I ask is, what would it look like if you and I sought Jesus, pursued Jesus with our full heart? What would that look like? What would that look like if every day we wake up and said, God, I'm pursuing you. I'm seeking you first. To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First of all day, I'm going to pursue him. What would it look like? What would it look like in your home if you woke up as a father or mother and you you pursue Jesus first and foremost before you jumped into the business of the day. What would it look like in your home? What would it look like in your work, in your school, if you woke up and you pursued Jesus before you went to class and allowed the overflow of hope, joy, and peace to overflow in your life every day? I promise you, if you meet with God, he will change your life. 
If you pursue Him, He will meet you where you're at. Jeremiah, it tells us, for if you look for me wholeheartedly, if you look for God wholeheartedly, you will find me. You will find Him. He will look for you. He will respond to your, your looking. He will respond to your initiative. James tells us that when we draw near to God, when we come close to God, He will come close to us. There is this promise that we will find Him for those who reach out to Him, for those who seek Him wholeheartedly. And thirdly, we need to give your whole heart to Him. You need to give Him your whole heart. See, at every, in any relationship, there comes a point in every relationship when you're in the pursuit where the relationship requires a commitment, Right? If you're in a dating relationship, it's one thing to pursue, it's one thing to seek, but there comes a moment where you gotta, that you've got to cross that line and your pursuit becomes a commitment. Your pursuit comes, I'm giving you my full heart. I'm not just pursuing you, I'm not just chasing you down, I'm not just looking to learn, but I'm going to give you now my whole heart. I'm going to give you everything that I am. And I can be honest with you, I think some of you, maybe, or some of us have lost, maybe we've, we've, we've pursued or we've, we love God, we love Jesus, and there was maybe a season we pursued him, and we'd just been riding that kind of wave. But we're now in a season where maybe he's asking you to give him your full heart, and you're, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you need to evaluate, do I have, Jesus, do you have my full heart? Am I, have I fully crossed the line? Am I fully committed to following after you? Luke 9, 24, Jesus says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, what will happen? You'll find it. You'll save it. And I know it doesn't make sense in our world because our culture says you've got to put you first in all things. But the upside-down kingdom says if you put others first, if you seek me, if you give me your full heart, you will save your life. You'll have a vision for your life. You'll have a purpose for your life. You'll hold on to hope as an anchor for your soul. And so as a church, we want to lead people into an overflowing relationship with Jesus. And that's going to look like we experience life, we live in community, we discover our purpose, and we make a difference. And in order for you and I to experience life fully, we need to know Jesus. Right? We need to know Jesus. That's where it all starts. This all starts. We need to know God. We need to know Jesus. We need to give him our full heart. I'm going to invite the band back. I don't know if anyone's ever seen the play or the movie Fiddler on the Roof. Anyone ever seen that? It's an old one. And uh, it's, if you haven't seen it, you can watch it. It's on, I think it's on Amazon Prime if you've got Amazon Prime. But Fiddler on the Roof, it's all black and white, by the way, just in case you're wondering. But it's, uh, it's about this man named Tevya. And Tevya is the father of five girls. It's, it's in a small town in Russia in the 1900s, so early 1900s. And Tevya has got five daughters. And, and as custom to their Jewish culture, he has got to set up their arranged marriages. It's arranged marriages, right? So as the girls come of age, he has to matchmake them. So he goes to the matchmaker. And if you've heard that song, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match, find me a find, catch me a catch. I'm here all day. Here we go. Um, but that's where that song comes from. It's a musical, right? So he goes to the matchmaker, and he's looking for the match for his five daughters. When the drama comes on, the tension in the story comes in the part where every one of his five daughters fall in love with somebody different than he matched. So all of his five daughters want to marry somebody different than what he and the matchmaker have discovered for their, their daughter. And that's where the song comes, Traditions. Tradi Remember that? Yeah, okay, forget it. If you haven't seen it, it's, he does this like weird thing, like traditions. It's, it's so weird, I don't get it. But anyway, I guess it's a cultural thing. Anyway, so there's this tension comes on. And here's where the, the moment comes. 
is every one of his five daughters doesn't love the one he matched. They love somebody else. And he starts wondering himself, well, does my wife love me? Because we were matchmade. We were matchmade years and years ago. And, I, and he was, he's having this, this conundrum or this, this worry, does my wife even love me? And so at the point in, this, in the play where the girls are all away and he goes into the house and he shuts the door and he sees his wife busy among the house doing the things she's just keeping busy and he looks to her and he says do you love me but he actually sings it but i won't sing it for you but he says do you love me and she looks at him the way only a wife can look at her husband you know that look every one of your men you you know that look it's just like what are you talking about and then she goes into this long list of i milk the cows i do the laundry i do the dishes i clean the i clean the floors i you know make the food and she goes in this huge long list of all the things she does for him and then he kind of stops and he says no but that's not what i'm asking and he says he sings this again he says do you love me and again she goes in this huge long list this this like crazy story this crazy list of all the things she does for him and hear me today church whether you're in the room or you're watching online, I believe this so truly that the Spirit of God is asking each and every one of us today, do you love me? Do I have your heart? Do you know me? Do you gnosko? Do you know me? And it'd be easy for us to respond, yes, but God, I do all these things for you. I do this, I do this, I do this. And and he's like, no, that's good. That's, that's great. That's awesome. Thank you for that. But that's not what I'm asking. Do you love me? Do I have your heart? And this is where it all starts. And so the question today is really, really simple. The application today, maybe not so much because you got to live this thing out every day. But here's the question. Do you love Jesus? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and bow your head. Because I want you to just internalize this. I don't want you to look around the room. I don't want you to be distracted by things around you. I need you to allow yourself to look into your heart. I need you to allow yourself to examine your soul today. Say, Jesus, Jesus is asking, do you love me? And some of you today are going to say, of course I love you. And yes, I've given you my full heart and I continue to give you my full heart and there are days yes I fall short but yes God my heart belongs to you and that is amazing we're going to celebrate that and keep leaning into that there's some of you today you say yes Jesus I didn't give you my heart maybe one day but maybe over time and because of circumstances maybe I've taken a part of it back whether I feel a failure or maybe I've been hurt but God today I'm I want to give you my full heart again I want to regain and renew my love for you and respond in a way that is responsible to the love that you've given me. I want to love you because you love me. And the third person here maybe today is, God, I've, I've never given you my heart. No, I, I don't love you, but I want to love you today, maybe. God, today I want to give you my heart. I want to respond to your love. I, I want to respond to your grace. I want a vision for my life. I want hope in my life. I want joy in my life. And so, God, I, I want to seek after you. I want to know your heart. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you 
All it takes is just say, God, I give you my heart. It's nothing fancy. You don't need to do it through hoops, and you don't need to jump a dance. You just need to say, God, I give you my heart. I recognize my need for you today. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that things that I've done in my life have separated me from you, but you love me so much that you came and you died on the cross and you created a bridge so that I can have a relationship with you. You gave me life. You gave your life so that I may have life to the full. And today I give you my life. I, I surrender my life to yours. And I don't know what that fully means, but I'm committed to the journey. I'm, I'm committed to walking that out every day. And if that is you, we want to celebrate with you. We believe that is the greatest decision you will ever make in your entire life is to give your heart to Jesus. To give your heart to Jesus. And we're going to take one step further before we leave because I just believe why, if there's someone in this room, I just want you to know that today is a day that you have changed your life. Today is a day that marks the journey in your journey, the journey, the day in your journey. We're going to pray a prayer, and this is simply a prayer just to acknowledge it together. We want to pray with you and for you. And so I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want to invite you to repeat it after me. And we're all going to do this together because we don't want you to feel isolated or alone. But we're all going to pray it out loud. And it's really just a prayer of surrender, a prayer of commitment to following after Jesus. And it's say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me the way I am, but loving me too much to leave me the way I am. God, thank you that you love me. And today I choose to give you my heart. Today I choose to respond to your love and give you my life. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins and giving me a vision for my life. And I commit my life to you today. Teach me what it means to follow after you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand today across this room. You can stand to your feet. The team is going to lead us in a song, and it's really just a prayer. It's a prayer response as we bring our time to a close. It's a prayer to say, God, we love you. We give you our heart. We give you our life. And we, want to, we don't want to settle for anything less than what you have given for, given for us and what you paid for. So we love you. So Jesus, take our hearts today, we pray. God, we love you. We trust in you precious name.